Part three, section three of the freedom of the will by Jonathan Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The case of such as are given up of God to sin and of fallen man in general proves moral necessity and inability to be consistent with blameworthiness dr whitby asserts freedom not only from coaction but necessity to be essential to anything deserving the name of sin and to an action being culpable in these words discourse on five points edition three page three forty eight if they be thus necessitated then neither their sins of omission or commission could deserve that name it being essential to the nature of sin according to st austin's definition that it be an action a quo liberum est abstinere three things seem plainly necessary to make an action or omission culpable one that it be in our power to perform or forbear it for as origin and all the fathers say no man is blameworthy for not doing what he could not do and elsewhere the doctor insists that when any do evil of necessity what they do is no vice that they are guilty of no fault are worthy of no blame dispraise or dishonour but are unblameable if these things are true in dr whitby's sense of necessity they will prove all such to be blameless who are given up of god to sin in what they commit after they are thus given up that there is such a thing as men being judicially given up to sin is certain if the scripture rightly informs us such a thing being often there spoken of as in psalms eighty one twelve so i gave them up to their own hearts lust and they walked in their own counsels acts seven forty two then god turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven romans one twenty four wherefore god also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonour their own bodies between themselves verse twenty six for this cause god gave them up to vile affections verse twenty eight and even as they did not like to retain god in their knowledge god gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient it is needless to stand particularly to inquire what god's giving men up to their own hearts lusts signifies it is sufficient to observe that hereby is certainly meant god so ordering or disposing things in some respect or other either by doing or forbearing to do as that the consequence should be men continuing in their sins so much as men are given up to so much is the consequence of their being given up whether that be less or more if god does not order things so by action or permission that sin will be the consequence then the event proves that they are not given up to that consequence if good be the consequence instead of evil then god's mercy is to be acknowledged in that good which mercy must be contrary to god's judgment in giving up to evil if the event must prove that they are given up to evil as the consequence then the persons who are the subjects of this judgment must be the subjects of such an event and so the event is necessary if not only coaction but all necessity will prove men blameless then judas was blameless after christ had given him over and had already declared his certain damnation and that he should verily betray him 
he was guilty of no sin in betraying his master on this supposition though his so doing is spoken of by christ as the most aggravated sin more heinous than the sin of pilate in crucifying him and the jews in egypt in jeremiah's time were guilty of no sin in their not worshipping the true god after god had sworn by his great name that his name should be no more named in the mouth of any man of judah in all the land of egypt jeremiah forty four twenty six dr whitby discourse on five points pages three o two and three o three denies that men in this world are ever so given up by god to sin that their wills should be necessarily determined to evil though he owns that hereby it may become exceeding difficult for men to do good having a strong bent and powerful inclination to what is evil but if we should allow the case to be just as he represents the judgment of giving up to sin will no better agree with his notions of that liberty which is essential to praise or blame than if we should suppose it to render the avoiding of sin impossible for if an impossibility of avoiding sin wholly excuses a man then for the same reason its being difficult to avoid it excuses him in part and this just in proportion to the degree of difficulty if the influence of moral impossibility or inability be the same to excuse persons in not doing or not avoiding anything as that of natural inability which is supposed then undoubtedly in like manner moral difficulty has the same influence to excuse with natural difficulty but all allow that natural impossibility wholly excuses and also that natural difficulty excuses in part and makes the act or omission less blamable in proportion to the difficulty all natural difficulty according to the plainest dictates of the light of nature excuses in some degree so that the neglect is not so blamable as if there had been no difficulty in the case and so the greater the difficulty is still the more excusable in proportion to the increase of the difficulty and as natural impossibility wholly excuses and excludes all blame so the nearer the difficulty approaches to impossibility still the nearer a person is to blamelessness in proportion to that approach and if the case of moral impossibility or necessity be just the same with natural necessity or coaction as to its influence to excuse and neglect then also for the same reason the case of natural difficulty does not differ in influence to excuse and neglect from moral difficulty arising from a strong bias or bent to evil such as dr whitby owns in the case of those that are given up to their own hearts lusts so that the fault of such persons must be lessened in proportion to the difficulty and approach to impossibility if ten degrees of moral difficulty make the action quite impossible and so wholly excused then if there be nine degrees of difficulty the person is in great part excused and is nine degrees in ten less blameworthy than if there had been no difficulty at all and he is but one degree of blameworthiness the reason is plain on armenian principles viz because as difficulty by antecedent bent and bias on the will is increased liberty of indifference and self-determination in the will is diminished so much hindrance impediment is there in the way of the will acting freely by mere self-determination and if ten degrees of such hindrance take away all such liberty 
then nine degrees take away nine parts in ten and leave but one degree of liberty and therefore there is but one degree of blamableness ceteris paribus in the neglect the man being no further blamable in what he does or neglects than he has liberty in that affair for blame or praise say they arises wholly from a good use or abuse of liberty from all which it follows that a strong bent and bias one way and difficulty of going the contrary never causes a person to be at all more exposed to sin or anything blamable because as the difficulty is increased so much the less is required and expected though in one respect exposedness to sin is increased viz by an increase of exposedness to the evil action or omission yet it is diminished in another respect to balance it namely as the sinfulness or blamableness of the action or omission is diminished in the same proportion so that on the whole the affair as to exposedness to guilt or blame is left just as it was to illustrate this let us suppose a scale of a balance to be intelligent and a free agent and endued with a self-moving power by virtue of which it could act and produce effects to a certain degree ex gravis to move itself up or down with a force equal to a weight of ten pounds and that it might therefore be required of it in ordinary circumstances to move itself down with that force for which it has power and full liberty and therefore would be blameworthy if it failed of it but then let us suppose a weight of ten pounds to be put in the opposite scale which in force entirely counterbalances its self-moving power and so renders it impossible for it to move down at all and therefore wholly excuses it from any such motion but if we suppose there to be only nine pounds in the opposite scale this renders its motion not impossible but yet more difficult so that it can now only move down with the force of one pound but however this is all that is required of it under these circumstances it is wholly excused from nine parts of its motion and if the scale under these circumstances neglect to move and remain at rest all that it will be blamed for will be its neglect of that one-tenth part of its motion for which it had as much liberty and advantage as in usual circumstances it has for the greater motion which in such case would be required so that this new difficulty does not at all increase its exposedness to anything blameworthy and thus the very supposition of difficulty in the way of a man's duty or proclivity to sin through a being given up to hardness of heart or indeed by any other means whatsoever is an inconsistence according to dr whitby's notions of liberty virtue and vice blame and praise the avoiding of sin and blame and the doing of what is virtuous and praiseworthy must be always equally easy dr whitby's notions of liberty obligation virtue sin etc led him into another great inconsistence he abundantly insists that necessity is inconsistent with the nature of sin or fault he says in the aforementioned treatise page fourteen who can blame a person for doing what he could not help and page fifteen it being sensibly unjust to punish any man for doing that which was never in his power to avoid and page three forty one to confirm his opinion he quotes one of the fathers saying why doth god command if man hath not free will and power to obey and again in the same in the next page who will not cry out that it is folly to command him that hath not liberty to do what is commanded and that it is unjust to condemn him that has it not in his power to do what is required and page three seventy three he cites another saying a law is given to him that can turn to both parts that is obey or transgress it but no law can be against him who is bound by nature 
and yet the same dr whitby asserts that fallen man is not able to perform perfect obedience in page one sixty five he has these words the nature of adam had power to continue innocent and without sin whereas it is certain our nature never had but if we have not power to continue innocent and without sin then sin is not inconsistent with necessity and we may be sinful in that which we have not power to avoid and those things cannot be true which he asserts elsewhere namely that if we be necessitated neither sins of omission nor commission would deserve that name page three forty eight if we have it not in our power to be innocent then we have it not in our power to be blameless and if so we are under a necessity of being blameworthy and how does this consist with what he so often asserts that necessity is inconsistent with blame or praise if we have it not in our power to perform perfect obedience to all the commands of god then we are under a necessity of breaking some commands in some degree having no power to perform so much as is commanded and if so why does he cry out of the unreasonableness and folly of commanding beyond what men have power to do armenians in general are very inconsistent with themselves in what they say of the inability of fallen man in this respect they strenuously maintain that it would be unjust in god to require anything of us beyond our present power and ability to perform and also hold that we are now unable to perform perfect obedience and that christ died to satisfy for the imperfections of our obedience and has made way that our imperfect obedience might be accepted instead of perfect wherein they seem insensibly to run themselves into the grossest inconsistence for as i have observed elsewhere they hold that god in mercy to mankind has abolished that rigorous constitution or law that they were under originally and instead of it has introduced a more mild constitution and put us under a new law which requires no more than imperfect sincere obedience in compliance with our poor infirm impotent circumstances since the fall now how can these things be made consistent i would ask of what law are these imperfections of our obedience a breach if they are a breach of no law that we were ever under then they are not sins and if they be not sins what need of christ dying to satisfy for them but if they are sins and the breach of some law what law is it they cannot be a breach of their new law for that requires no other than imperfect obedience or obedience with imperfections and therefore to have obedience attended with imperfections is no breach of it for it is as much as it requires and they cannot be a breach of their old law for that they say is entirely abolished and we never were under it they say it would not be just in god to require of us perfect obedience because it would not be just to require more than we can perform or to punish us for failing of it and therefore by their own scheme the imperfections of our obedience do not deserve to be punished what need therefore of christ dying to satisfy for them what need of his suffering to satisfy for that which is no fault and in its own nature deserves no suffering what need of christ dying to purchase that our imperfect obedience should be accepted when according to their scheme it would be unjust in itself that any other obedience than imperfect should be required what need of christ dying to make way for god's accepting of such obedience as it would be unjust in him not to accept 
is there any need of christ dying to prevail with god not to do unrighteously if it be said that christ died to satisfy that old law for us that so we might not be under it but that there might be room for our being under a more mild law still i would inquire what need of christ dying that we might not be under a law which by their principles it would be in itself unjust that we should be under whether christ had died or no because in our present state we are not able to keep it so the armenians are inconsistent with themselves not only in what they say of the need of christ's satisfaction to atone for those imperfections which we cannot avoid but also in what they say of the grace of god granted to enable men to perform the sincere obedience of the new law i grant indeed says dr stebbing that by original sin we are utterly disabled for the performance of the condition without new grace from god but i say then that he gives such a grace to all of us by which the performance of the condition is truly possible and upon this ground he may and doth most righteously require it if dr stebbing intends to speak properly by grace he must mean that assistance which is of grace or of free favour and kindness be it in the same place he speaks of it as very unreasonable unjust and cruel for god to require that as the condition of pardon that is become impossible by original sin if it be so what grace is there in giving assistance and ability to perform the condition of pardon or why is that called by the name of grace that is an absolute debt which god is bound to bestow and which it would be unjust and cruel in him to withhold seeing he requires that as the condition of pardon which he cannot perform without it end of part three section three